Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And you thank God that you were privileged on that day to see some of the sin that God's willing to forgive and you worship God. That's what Hebrews eleven twenty one, witness and worship at the same time looks like. And that's what's described here in Hebrews eleven twenty one when Jacob was blessing and worshiping at the same time. And when we witness, we should witness in this Hebrews eleven twenty one way here to witness and worship at the same time. What's needed today is more of this. More of this Hebrews eleven twenty one witness and worship at the same time. More of this Hebrews eleven twenty one blessing and worship at the same time. And what it looks like to worship in our blessing is we go to bless a fellow believer, for example, who is hurting, and we encourage him by saying, what a compassion that the Lord Jesus actually came to earth for the purpose so that he could feel all the hurt that we experience. As it says in Hebrews 4.15, uh, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as, as we are, yet without sin. He said, what a great high priest that is. And you tell it in such a way that you're actually worshiping God and worshiping the Lord as you tell it. That's what a heart-engaged witness looks like that of worship, witness and worship at the same time. And you can see this witness in worship in one of Fanny Crosby's hymns where she is talking about, tell me the story of Jesus, write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. I mean, she knows the story very well, but she's saying, tell it to me. Tell of the cross where they nailed him, writhing in anguish and pain. Tell of the grave where they laid him. Tell how he liveth again. Love in that story so tender. Then she writes, clearer than ever I see. Stay, let me weep while you whisper, love paid the ransom for me. I mean, you know, she, 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 she's saying, I know that story of Jesus, of course I do. But please tell it to me again. Because I love, I love for you, for you to do that. And she says, and clearer than ever I see. When I hear it again, I see it, I, I hear it clearer. And just stay a little bit. Let me cry while you say the words, love paid the ransom for me. I mean, I remember I was on a train. I think I've told you this before. I remember I was on a train in a, on a cold winter's day in Germany. And there's nothing like cold winter days in Germany. And I, I had finished a long, hard day of work at the Bering Institute, the Institute for Emil von Bering up in, in Marburg. 
You may remember, well, you don't remember, and it doesn't matter. He invented the uh, 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 vaccine for tetanus with horses. There's a big bronze horse out there. Anyway, so I worked all day there, and I was on, my, my, I was on the train back to my hotel in Frankfurt. I was alone. It was cold. It was cloudy before it got dark, and then it got dark. It made it worse. There was snow on the ground. I was exhausted. All I wanted to do was just get back to the soft pillow on the warm bed in the Frankfurter Hof Hotel. And the, and the train stopped at the university town of Gießen. That's what it does. And, and this old German couple got on the train, and they sat across from me in the cabin. It's just me and them that I was in. And in German, this old German man starts to tell me the old, old story of Jesus. And I was so tired, I didn't want to talk, so I didn't tell him I was a believer. I just sat there and listened to the man. And he told me, started out telling me how we all have sinned. And when he got the part about how Jesus died for our sins, he began to cry. As he was telling me, he began to cry. And I mean, he was so heart engaged in what he was saying. And and, as he cried, the tears were streaming down his face down his old, wrinkled face, his old, wrinkled German face, whatever that is. But anyway, they were streaming down his face as he told me how Jesus willingly died for our sins. Well, when I saw those tears running down his, his face, the train was pulling into the Frankfurt Hauptbahnhof train station, and I got off, and I just walked over to the corner of the train, and I had a good cry myself because the tears of joy and gratitude as I thought about how the Lord willingly, like he was telling me, went to the cross to die for my sins. That old German man was so heart engaged in his witness that he was worshiping as he was witnessing. It was witness and worship at the same time, Hebrews eleven twenty one. That's what the hymn writer has in mind when, when he said, I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story. For those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. You know, that's a great stanza. That stanza of witness and worship, that's what it is. It's a stanza of witness and worship at the same time when it says, for those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. That's witness and worship at the same time. As another hymn, the phrase hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest is, um, I'm thinking about that because here we are in April. We're in April? I think so, anyway. We're in April, and in June and July are coming. And that, the highlight for me of June and July is to go to work those eight days at the San Diego County Del Mar Fair in the child evangelism booth, the Bible Castle. And during that time, uh, I'm looking forward. I'll stand outside the Bible castle, and I'll call the pastor by, buys, and I'll say, hey, Bible story, Bible story. Hey, Mom and Dad, how about a Bible story for the kids? That's what I'll do. And, and the little kids, some of the little kids will, will, will come in, and you know, others, their parents will grab their hands and say, get away from that man. But um, others will come in and sit in front of me in little chairs, and I'll sit in a chair that's way too little for me, and the kids will look at me and wonder if the chair I'm sitting on is going to break in front of them. 
But then, then, then I'll tell them the old, old story of Jesus and his love. And, and I'll go through the wordless book and, I'll, you know, the gold, how wonderful heaven is, and the black, how horrible our hearts are with sin, and the red, how marvelous is the blood of the Lord Jesus, and the white, how it cleans us from sin, and the green, now you receive them, you can grow like a plant by praying and reading the Bible. And it doesn't matter how many times I tell that story in the day. I will love to tell it, and I'll see some new aspect clearer than ever I saw, as the hymn said, again and again. Because when I tell the story, actually, I'll be kind of envious of one thing. I wish that I could be sitting in one of those little chairs and hearing the story like the kids, because there's one thing better than telling the old, old story. That's to hear the old, old story. And when I tell it, I'll be listening to what I'm, 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 I'm hearing. I'll be like the waiter. Let me sample some of this. Sample. And I'll, because I'll be hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. I'll be saying, stay, stay, stay. Let me weep while, while, while I hear it again. Love paid the ransom for me. No matter how many times I'm going to tell it, the, the, the kids, the old, old story of the Del Mar Fair. I'll be happy every time as I finish. So again, it'll be the thrill of my heart as I look, love to look in those eyes of those little kids and, and as I do, I'll say the words of another hymn. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? That's what it looks like to witness and worship at the same time. It reminds me of the story of Larry Rust in my testimony book. Some of you know that. Where I talk about how I visited Larry Rust in Balboa Navy Hospital when he had prostate, prostate cancer. And how when he saw me coming with my Bible, Larry yelled out, no, 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 no Bible, no God. Get out of here, get out of here. That's what he protested. And how I left and, and then I returned a few days later to try again and how I, find that, how I found that Larry Russ died the night before I came. But how all that night I learned that Larry Russ cried from his hospital bed, Tom, Tom, where's Tom? Bring Tom, bring Tom. Now, I don't know how many times that, that I've told that, that, that story of what happened to Larry Rust. But one Sunday morning, I was sitting in the second row of Emmanuel Faith Community Church up in Escondido, and Pastor Dennis Keating told that story. He told the story, because I told him, of Larry Rust to the congregation. And when I heard it, it hit me so hard. I started to cry as I thought, how horrible that Larry Rust was being dragged into hell by demons and crying out for help. Now, Witness and worship at the same time is not like the UPS driver who just drops off a package of information and then leaves. It reminds me of another time when I was on a bus with a group of us uh, believers. We were going to bring the gospel to a certain section of houses in San Diego. And I watched the person in front of me who, who had written down on his fingers all the points of the gospel. So he wouldn't forget it. And he was going over, looking at his fingers, you know. That's not what witness and worship at the same time looks like. You know, the gospel is not points on the finger like, you know, milk, butter, eggs, died, resurrected, coming. <laughs> That's not what it looks like. The gospel is not points to remember like died, rose, coming again, and coming again, and milk, butter, eggs. Oh, no, 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 milk, butter, eggs. That's for another thing to remember. No, the gospel is not a profession. It's a, it's a confession. It's a confession. I'm not a professional gospel preacher. I'm a, I'm a confessional gospel preacher. I don't preach the gospel as a profession. I preach the, the gospel as a sole confession. I have a degree in biochemistry. I'm a biotech businessman. 
Oof, how terrible. But I don't have any Bible degrees, you know. I've never sat in a class, in any class of any seminary. I never sat in a class of any Bible college. I have no formal Bible education. I'm a layman. I'm a lay preacher of the gospel. But I know the gospel is so precious that it has to be delivered according to the Hebrews 11.21 method of witness and worship at the same time. And when we witness and worship at the same time, it will impress the loss that the gospel has made a tremendous difference in your life. It's really done something for you. It reminds me of the time I was spending the day with a lost Jewish friend, giving the gospel all day, and, and it, was, it was really not a witness and worship at the same time. And so at the end of the day, he looked at me and he said, okay, I've heard what you've said, and now I have just one question for you. What difference does all this make in your life? Let's determine that when we witness to someone, no one's ever going to ask us, what difference does it make in your life? Because when we witness and worship at the same time, the lost will see the great difference that the gospel has made in our lives. It reminds me of the time when Pastor Jim and I, were, were we had this friendship with Professor Bernie Segan. You remember him, Gene, Professor Bernie Segan. And so Pastor Jim had met Professor Segan when he was going door-to-door visiting Jewish people in La Jolla. And then Pastor Jim introduced me to Professor Segan. Professor Segan was a constitutional law scholar, and, and he was appointed by President Reagan to, the, to be a judge on the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And when the Iron Curtain fell in Eastern Europe, it left many of those, con- it left those countries with a crisis. They didn't have a constitution. So Professor Segan wrote the constitution for the country of Romania. Now, it was in 2001 when Pastor Jim and I, we took Bernie, we, we, we didn't call him Professor Segan, we just called him Bernie, and, and we took him out for lunch. And I remember we, we were at this place, and Pastor Jim sat on one end of the booth, and, and Bernie sat in the middle, and, and I sat across from Pastor Jim on the other end of the booth. And I remember that when Pastor Jim was speaking, he said, Bernie, Jesus was the Lamb of God who died for our sins. Well, and Bernie, he, he kind of sat there like a dead log, you know, like, you know, no, no response at all. But I was listening to Pastor Jim very carefully as he was saying that, and when he said that, that Jesus was the Lamb of God, that struck me. Like, all of a sudden, like I was, it, it, like, and, I, and I sort of lost awareness of Bernie being there, and I just blurted, <laughs> I just blurted out, really? <laughs> I said, the Lamb of God? Jesus is the Lamb of God? That's wonderful. Now, uh, when I realized that, you know, Bernie was seeing there showing no reaction, I looked over at Bernie, who was looking at me and looking at Jim, and he was shocked, and I could read his mind as he was sitting there saying, these guys are a bunch of loonies. <laughs> I mean, you know, especially this one, you know. I mean, uh, you know, and, and of course, we had trapped him into the booth, so he couldn't get out, but, he, but anyway... Loony or not, I was worshiping when I heard that Jesus was the Lamb of God. That's what it means to witness and worship at the same time. Now, Bernie died five years later in 2006 when he was 81. I just hope that Bernie personally found Jesus as his Lamb of God. So to worship and witness at the same time means to pretend you've never heard these things before. You've never heard these truths before of the gospel, and these truths are just kind of like a warm rain falling from the sky. 
And it means you, you, you run outside and you stand in that wonderful rain and you point your, your face to the sky and you throw open your arms and enjoy each drop of that warm rain on your face and you pretend like you're hearing it for the first time. There's the drop of Jesus is the Lamb of God. And you stand in the rain and, and as you do that, you hear God's words in Ezekiel 4, 34, 26. Ezekiel 34, 26 when he says, I will cause the shower to come down in his season. There shall be showers of blessing. Now, okay, we see Jacob's proclamation that he's soon to die. He says that in in verse 21, verse 21. Israel said unto Joseph, behold, I die, but God shall be with you and bring you again into the land of your fathers. Now, these are the words of, of, of of a typical dying saint. He says, he says, I die, but it's all right. It's okay. It's well with my soul. It's well with my soul. Reminds me of the believing Welsh boy in Cardiff. I think I've told you, but anyway, he, 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 uh, in, in Cardiff, Wales, a little boy had met the Savior in Sunday school, and he had learned the truth of 1 John 5.12. 1 John 5.12, it says, he that hath the Son hath life. He said, he that hath the Son hath life. I have the Son, I have life. And he, he was there. And so his mother, on the other hand, she was not believing. She was not saved. And so she didn't know what to say to him as she was watching her son dying. So she just, just came in and said, son, is it all right? Is it all right? And the little boy, you know, he says, yes, mommy, it's all right. It's all right. I'm saved. It's all right. I'm saved. And this unsaved mother who, 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 who was mad at God because her boy was dying said, you saved? How could he ever care about you and our family? And the little dying boy looked up with just eyes ablaze, and, and he said to his mother, Jesus has plenty for everyone, for everyone. So Jacob, in verse 21, is just like this dying little Welsh boy. As Jacob says to Joseph, in essence, I'm dying, but it's all right. It's all right. I'm fine, and God's going to be with you. God's going to be with you. So when Jacob says in verse 21, Behold, I die. That's pretty terrifying. That's pretty terrifying because, you know, it's hard, and it's hard for a lot of people. It's hard for Jacob. It's hard for the people hearing it. For Jacob, but but Jacob's getting a certain comfort because in verse 7, as death and the grave are approaching, or as he is approaching death and the grave, Jacob is remembering Rachel. He's remembering Rachel, and, and she's gone before and he's thinking about Rachel, and, and, and what he's thinking about, among other many things with Rachel, is how Rachel has served Jacob now to make death and the grave just a little more familiar, a little less threatening to him. I mean, that's the way it is for me. When I buried Cheryl, that was, that was, that was the moment of, okay, Cheryl, in a few moments, I'll be right up. And when we see, what we see Jacob doing here is, is very instructive for us. Because the, the thought and the knowledge of ones who have gone before, they just take the fear, they take the panic away from death. This is the thought that God gave to Moses to take the fear and the panic of death away as Moses approached death when God told him in Numbers 27, Numbers 27, verse 12, Numbers 27, 12, the Lord said unto Moses, get thee up into this Mount Abarim and see the land which I had given unto the children of Israel, and when thou hast seen it, thou also shall be gathered unto thy people as Aaron thy brother was gathered. So, and before this, 
it says in Deuteronomy 31, 14, Deuteronomy 31, 14, the Lord said unto Moses, behold, thy days approach that thou must die. That's pretty terrifying. <laughs> the days are coming, you must die. That's very terrifying. I mean, it's, it's like you put those two together, those two passages together, the Deuteronomy 31, 14, and the Numbers 27, 12 through 13, and you get this. Step one, you're gonna climb up a mountain. Step two, you're gonna look all around and see the land. Step three, you're going to die. <laughs> Very frightening news. Uh, to know exactly what's gonna happen, you know, have all those things that, oh boy, I'm gonna, you know, start up this mountain, and then I'm gonna start climbing the mountain, after that, I'm gonna look around, after that, here it comes, you know? When I was a kid, I was terrified of shots, you know? And my father had his obstetrics and gynecology office in the Medical Arts Building at 4955 Van Nuys Boulevard in Sherman Oaks, right next to Van Nuys Hospital that, that doesn't exist today. That's probably a good thing, but anyway. As he was in Building 1, and next door was Building 2, and Building 2 is where the pediatrician was. And, and I knew what it meant when, 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 when my father, step one, brought me into Building 2. And then step two, we went up the elevator. And then step three, the door opened that made that ding-dong sound when the door opened. And step four, there was the smell of alcohol in the air. And step five, my dad took a firm grip on my hand and, and led me into the room, which for me was a torture chamber. And, and step six, in comes the sterile white gown doctor with nothing in his hand and that deceitful smile on his face. <laughs> now, by that time, I was under the table and screaming, all right? Oh, yes, that was Tommy. All right, because the terrifying part of all this was knowing all those steps and what was gonna come, and next was gonna come the needle in the arm. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. 
early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, creation museum, and tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Grow deeper in God's Word with the Friendship with God King James Version Study Bible prepared by Tom Cantor. This genuine lambskin large print study Bible features the history of Israel, full-color timeline and maps, frequently asked questions about the Jewish Messiah, prophecy and fulfillment study, Hebrew root notations and definitions, the life study of Joseph, and so much more. Order your copy today for only $49.95. That's $49.95. And receive a free personal signed copy by Mr. Tom Cantor, along with your name engraved on the cover. To order your Friendship with God Study Bible, call 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Or visit us at creationbookstore.com. That's creationbookstore.com. 